This message is brought to you from Calon Church. We pray that it encourages and inspires you. Question I want to ask you tonight is quite simply this. Have you ever lost your voice? I haven't, but my wife Ruth has lost her voice on two, three occasions. In fact, it's been a real source of fun in our house on those occasions where the children would wind her up as she would be uh, uh, chasing the kids down in her usual way to get ready for school or whatever, going, Fionn, Fionn, get ready for school, um, and trying to use her voice in a strong way uh, when it had just gone and she had lost her voice. But more than losing your voice, what must it be like to have a voice and not have it being heard? In fact, our society is full of various wrongs that have needed to be right from uh, Wilberforce all the way through to Martin Luther King and all the way through to even justice for the 96, for the Hillsborough victims, uh, that they felt that their voice was not being heard. But worse than that still might be to have a voice and to be crying out, but nobody to hear that voice. In fact, over the last couple of weeks, Ruth and I have been spending some time watching so many films as we've been in lockdown together. And one of the films that we watched a couple of weeks ago was The Aeronauts and the uh, story of the balloon pilots Amelia Rend and James Glacier as they went on the discovery uh, of going up in an air balloon and discovering meteorology and all the, uh, the things that they were seeking uh, to discover about our universe at that time. And there's a poignant part of the film where James Glacier finds himself thousands of feet above the world and shouts out and starts crying and shouting, but there's nobody there to hear him. And I wonder if that was a little bit of what Jesus went through. I want to take you to a passage of scripture that's to be found in Mark chapter 15 that we're going to read, and it's the last moments of Jesus Christ's life before his death on the cross. Turn with me to the book of Mark, and we're going to read uh, the five verses that are to be found from uh, Mark chapter 15, verse 33 to 37. And this is a verse that we hear the last cries, the last shouts, the last spoken words of Jesus before he passed away. The gospel writer Mark says in his gospel, chapter 15, verse 33, says this. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with vine, wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. Verse 37, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. And the focus of our reflections on uh, this evening, on Good Friday, I want us to take some time pondering Jesus' last words here. 
the first phrase in verse 34 that says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then verse 37, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The Roman emperor Constantine banned crucifixion in the 4th century AD. The reason he banned it was he had become a Christian, but one of the second reasons is that crucifixion was one of the cruelest forms of punishment that could be borne on anyone. The Romans had perfected it for 500 years. They had used it to help soldiers that would uh, not be faithful in battle, and if anybody was caught doing wrong, they would be crucified. It was used to keep slaves in check, and it was used as all manner of a very public punishment to help people understand the consequences of what they could expect if they stood against the power of the Roman Empire. And crucifixion is a horrible way to die. It's a horrible way to die because the fundamental part of the execution is how someone dies from asphyxiation, a lack of breath, by being tied either by rope or being either nailed to the cross. They would have to push up their chest cavity to try and get each breath in order to be able to breathe and to continue to live. And it's when the last breath is gone and Jesus is crying out so weak on the cross. He's shouting out in the middle of pain. He's shouting out in the middle of loneliness when he's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As he's fighting for his breath, he gives up his last. So why does Jesus shout out? Why does he cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Theologians have sought to answer that question on several occasions because we know theologically God did not forsake him on the cross. The Bible teaches us that even if I make my bed in hell, says the psalmist David, behold, you are there. We know that God is all-knowing. We know that God is ever-present. So we know that there's nowhere in this universe that we can ever be running away from God. Isn't that what Jonah tried to do when he decided to head for uh, Nineveh, uh, head out to Nineveh and head to uh, Joppa? So why did Jesus cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, I want to posit three things maybe that we can take and apply to our lives as we find ourselves right here, right now, on Good Friday, in lockdown, not just here, but all across the world. There are people that are in confinement, there are people that are in loneliness, and there are people that are in pain. And that's where Jesus found himself. He found himself confined to the cross, unable to move. He found himself in a very lonely place, so much so that he cries out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then finally, finds himself in the most terrible pain that it even takes his life. 
The hope that we can take is also to be found in the second scripture that I'd like to share with you today that can be found in Hebrews chapter 4, and I'm going to read from verse uh, 15, where the writer of the Hebrews says this about Jesus. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted, and in other translations it says tested, we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. God hears us. He hears us now. But so often we feel as though God has forsaken us, and we feel that he doesn't hear us. And where we find ourselves right now in lockdown, where we find ourselves on this Easter weekend where normally we'd be caravanning away or going to do various things on our holidays together, we found ourselves here on Good Friday in lockdown. We might be finding ourselves in confinement, in loneliness, and in pain. So the message that I want to bring to you tonight is in two parts. The message I want to speak to you today is a message from a boat. And the message I want to bring to you on Easter Sunday is called Butterflies. And I want to put them both together. And the message is simply called a two-part series called Boats and Butterflies. And I want to look at a lesson that we can learn from a boat story and a lesson that we can learn on Sunday from the story of the butterfly. Let me explain. The final passage of scripture that I want to share with you is to be found a couple of chapters back from Mark chapter 15 where we just read. Wind back 11 chapters to Mark chapter 4. And Mark chapter 4 is a story of where somebody else, in fact a group of disciples, felt abandoned and felt alone and forsaken. Mark chapter 4 and we're going to read from verse 35. And the writer, Mark, again says this. That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, that's like a storm, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. The four questions that I would like to reflect on today are the four questions that are asked in that boat story. In a similar place, they find themselves lonely. Nobody was there to help them. Their voice was not being heard, so much so that they went to wake up Jesus in the boat they were in pain. They thought they were going to die. Don't you care that we drown? And Jesus was there. And I like this part of the scripture that is added here. Sleeping on a cushion. I love the fact that the scripture drops that in there as if to make the contrast between their pain 
and his comfort that there he was sleeping, stress-free, relaxing in the boat, and there they were drowning. And I believe we need to ask the same four questions in the boat that we find ourselves in. And that's the same four questions that we ask today. And the answers to those questions, I believe, will help us in the situation that we find ourselves today. You see, the first question they ask is they turn to Jesus when they wake him in the boat. And they say to him, don't you care? Don't you care? And that's a question that maybe lots of us are asking of God and asking of our government and asking of so many different people right now. Don't you care? Don't you care that we're in lockdown? Don't you care for my business? Don't you care for my family? Don't you care for my aunt or my uncle or my relative that's in hospital? Don't you care? Well, it's the fact that we ask that question I think is really pertinent. Notice that the disciples don't ask Jesus a question, don't you know? They don't turn around and say, don't you know that the water is coming in? They don't ask Jesus the question, don't you see? Don't you see that the wind and the storm is here? They don't even ask those questions of Jesus. They ask him a real heartfelt question of, Jesus, don't you care? And right now, just like Jesus was on the cross in that loneliness that he found himself in, we could be asking those same kinds of questions. Don't you care? Well, I want to reassure you today that he does care. Hebrews and that scripture that we'll share with again, and I want to share with you some really good, good news at the end of that passage of scripture. He does care. He's touched with all of our infirmities. He is touched by the way that we feel. You need to know on this Good Friday evening that Jesus does care. God does care. The second question that they ask Jesus, or that Jesus asks them rather, is in verse 40 where Jesus asks the disciples, Why are you so afraid. Can I ask you that question too? Why are you so afraid? Fear is a terrible thing. Fear is a very real thing. We use this acronym often, don't we, about fear? F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. And the thing about fear is we think the worst thing might happen when it doesn't. You know, the number one fear that most people have in terms of phobia is the fear of spiders. I mean, how can we be fearful of spiders? Most of them are that small compared to us. And yet that fear is very real. Or aerophobia, the fear of flying. For people, the fear of flying is something that's very, very real. Try and tell them to just pull themselves together and not fear. False evidence appearing real. But the fears right now that we have, the why are you so afraid, the real fears that business owners are going through right now, that they think that they will lose their businesses, or people that have lost their jobs, fearing how are we going to pay the mortgage, or how am I going to provide for my family, 
or the fear that someone has for a loved one that's in hospital right now, struggling for their breath, the fear that that loved one might be taken away from them. So can I ask you on this Good Friday, why are you so afraid? He cares. And we are to take our fears, or as the Bible says and commands us to, cast our burdens on him. We have the unique opportunity as Christians of being able to come alongside through the power of the cross and the power of the life-changing power of Jesus and saying, God, I'm going to give my fears to you. Why are you so afraid? And the third question, and the question that and the third question that Jesus asks. So the first question was, don't you care? The second question is, why are you so afraid? The third question, do you still have no faith? Do you still have no faith? You see, we have to put our faith in something, don't we? It's in the very nature of mankind to have faith. We put faith in our own ability to be able to dig ourselves out of where we are. Have faith in our ability to be able to provide for our families. Maybe have faith in the government that they can uh, rescue us at this time. Loads of us are putting our faith very, very rightly in the NHS right now that they will take care, for, take care of us uh, at our hour of need. Do we have faith? But do we have faith that transcends the physical? Faith that transcends the natural? Do we have faith to be able to reach out to the one who is the God of miracles? The one who, if we cry out to him in our hour of need, will hear us. The one who comes in and says, peace, be still. The one who comes in when the waves seem so un believably large and he just calms them and they go away the one that speaks to the wind and stops it when we feel that the hurricane of life is just going to overwhelm us overwhelm us do you have faith do you have faith and can you put faith in God maybe at this time? You might be an atheist. You might be someone who has never even thought about God in practical, real ways. But tonight and today might be an opportunity for you to say, yeah, I'm going to stretch out. I'm going to lean out to you in faith, oh God. I'm going to put my trust in you. And the answer to that is in the fourth question. The first question, don't you care? The second question, why are you so afraid? The third question, uh, do you still have no faith? And then finally, the fourth, quest fourth question that Jesus asks in verse 41. The disciples ask this question back to Jesus. Who is this? Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this? Who is Jesus? And can I ask the question, who is Jesus to you? C.S. Lewis in 1952 wrote a classic book. If you've not read it, it's an absolute classic. I'd encourage you to get it. It's a very, very quick read. You'll do it in about an hour, hour and a half. It's a book called Mere Christianity. And in that book, 
he posits that there are only three conclusions to that question, who is Jesus? And the three questions and the three conclusions that he comes to in answering the question, who is Jesus, is quite simply one of three answers that we must come to. The one uh, conclusion that we could come to is that Jesus was a liar. He was not really the son of God. He was just lying. Nothing but a con man or a charlatan just trying to get out there and build his own brand. Just trying to get loads of people to follow him. And the conclusion that we can come to about Jesus, he was simply a liar. Well, what reason would he have to lie? I mean, if there was a moment for him to say the truth, surely it's on the cross and surely it's in the trial leading up to the cross where they ask him, are you really the son of God? Are you claiming to be who you are? Surely he could have left himself off the hook by saying, okay, it's all just one big fib. I am a liar after all. But instead, he went through it all and he died. So um, C.S. Lewis posits that he could not have been a liar. The second conclusion that we could come to is that he was a lunatic. He was actually crazy. He did not believe he's a liar. In fact, he actually believed that he genuinely was the son of God and that he was like a lunatic. Loads of people have claimed uh, that they have spiritual descent and loads of different things. Loads of people make loads of crazy claims in life. Was he just a lunatic like the others, deluded with his own sense of grandeur? Or was he, thirdly, Lord? Was he who he says he was? And in the book, C.S. Lewis posits that we can only come to one of three conclusions. Liar, lunatic, or Lord. And for me and my life, I've come to the conclusion that Jesus is the person who he says he is. We've got the accounts in the scripture. We've got all of these stories like the two that I've read today that help us really understand that he was the son of God and that he came into the storm and that he stilled it and he can come into our storm and still it too. So what connection has that got to do with Jesus's moment on the cross? Well, the connection that it has is the one of forsakenness you see to be forsaken where Jesus cries out my God my God why have you forsaken me the word forsaken if you look it up in the dictionary simply means to be abandoned or deserted and Jesus on the cross felt abandoned and deserted and the disciples in the boat felt abandoned and deserted and the reality of life in this message today is that we are all in the same boat all over the world today we are all in this same boat called coronavirus and many of us rightly feel abandoned and deserted by so many different things around us abandoned deserted by the government Abandoned and deserted by our financial services industry. Abandoned and deserted by the bankers. Abandoned and deserted by our family. Abandoned and deserted by our employers. Abandoned and deserted by so many different people. 
and different things. And the hope that I want to share with you is in the last scripture that we've already read together. Turn with me again. Turn with me again to Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to read verse 15 and 16. That says this, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. This is our hope, verse 16, that says this. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You see, abandonment and desertedness is replaced with mercy and grace. We can find mercy and grace through the cross of Christ. And this Good Friday, as we have broken bread together, and as we have shared communion in memory of the Lord's death, it's that death that purchases our freedom. You see, if Christ had not died and had not risen again, we wouldn't have the victory and we have, wouldn't have the freedom to be able to approach unto the throne of grace in order to receive mercy and grace from the cross of Christ. And that is our hope. And I want to pray with you right now, wherever you find yourself in, you feel deserted maybe. You feel abandoned. You feel as if nobody is hearing your voice. Know this Good Friday evening that Jesus hears you. In fact, he wants you to come boldly to his throne of grace that you might receive mercy and help at this hour. Will you pray with me? Let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you this Easter Good Friday for the freedom that was purchased, purchased for us through the death of your son on the cross of Calvary. Lord, and we come to you right now asking that you would hear us in our hour of need. Lord, so many people feel abandoned. So many people feel forsaken. So many people are feeling deserted right now. I pray that your presence and that your love and your peace might be upon each and every person, every doctor, every nurse, every key worker, every patient, everybody in government, everybody in business, every employee, every mother, every father, every child, every single person that we can think of, whatever their context or context, or God, they are not abandoned. I pray that they might feel your love and that they might feel their presence and that they might feel it real. They are not alone, even though we are all in the same boat together. You are in the boat with us and this storm will pass. The waves will die down. The winds will move away and we will find freedom as bright skies come again. So, oh God, presence yourself amongst us, I ask, for the sake of your son Jesus. Be near to us at this time. For your praise and glory, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
This message was brought to you from Calon Church. If you want to know more, please check us out online at calon.church.